you ask the questions, we bring the answers. That, my friends, is the Ranch It Up way. Good day, everyone, and thanks for riding with us on this all-new episode of the Ranch It Up Radio Show. I'm Jeff Tigger Earhart. And I'm Rebecca Warner, a.k.a. Beck. A big thank you goes out to our partners, Vitelli, Pharmatan and Imogene Ingredients, the American Galve Association, the Tri-State Livestock News, the Farmer and Rancher Exchange and the Fence Post, Abrahamson Rodeo Company, Westway Feed Products, Neogen, Allied Genetic Resources, LivestockMarket.com, EquineMarket.com, AuctionTime.com, RFD TV, The Cowboy Channel, and Wrangler. Cow Country News, you know, the cow stuff. We're going to move right into the news because we've got some stories that I think are going to put a little burr under everybody's saddle, or it should. So go ahead and start Mm -hmm. us out there. Food and Water Watch and a host of other activist groups are suing the Environmental Protection Agency seeking a response to an earlier legal petition that asked for stricter clean water rules applied to concentrated animal feeding operations, or CAFOs, as many of us know. Yes, The lawsuit filed in the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals comes five years after the groups filed their original petition and cites federal law requiring government agencies to respond within a reasonable time. The plaintiffs contend EPA rules fail to protect waterways and communities near CAFOs, and they urge the agency to bolster its regulatory approach. The delay, they argue in the suit, is prolonging pollution and public health threats. You notice that it's the EPA and this other one, what was the first one called? Food Water Watch, is that right? Yes, Food you, and Water Watch. It, it's always those other government organizations that, for one, aren't living out on the land. Thank they you. never include exactly. landowners in on these things. They never mm-hmm, include farmers and ranchers. Mm-hmm. Oh, somebody's got a burr under their saddle, and that'd be moi. Continue, please. All right. In other news, the former Tyson Foods Incorporated executive who joined Beyond Meat in December is now working at Pilgrim's Pride Corporation. Bernie Adock, who was chief supply officer at Beyond Meat, joined Pilgrim's as a head of retail and QSR last month, soon after his departure from the alternative meat maker. So he went from Tyson... To Beyond Meat, uh-huh. to Pilgrim Pride. Yep, okay, yep, continue, yep. continue. Adcock had spent 31 years at Tyson, including eight years as chief supply officer, and his announced departure from Beyond Meat occurred the same day that the company's chief operating officer, Doug Ramsey, was suspended in the wake of an altercation at a college football game. Naughty, naughty. Here is the irony. Yes, Pilgrim's Pride is an American multinational food company, currently one of the largest chicken producers in the United States and Puerto Rico, and the second largest chicken producer in Mexico. And adding to this irony, charges were dropped on two Pilgrim's Pride executives still on trial on charges of price fixing. So here we go, the big executives that are making decisions on our behalf. We're just using, this is poultry mm-hmm, as an mm-hmm. example, but starting from Tyson was there, what did your story, what did you say, 31 years at Tyson or something like that? 31, 31 years. 31 years at Tyson, yes. then goes to Beyond Meat, mm-hmm. and then goes to Pilgrim's Pride, which is one of the major producers of poultry in the U.S., Puerto Rico, and Mexico, you said. Does not just I make just everybody a tick nervous that those people that are in powers of influence to make decisions on our behalf are literally jumping from company to company to company. It's not like they're going from Dodge to Ford to Chevy. 
It's literally going from one company to another one that has completely opposite views and is against the meat industry back to the meat industry. Kind of makes you feel like they are not riding for a certain Uh brand. Very well said. Now, here's what I've got news. Um, Now, if this one isn't going to get you just downright upset, I don't know what is. The Good Food Institute, Animal Legal Defense Fund, and the American Civil Liberties Union have secured a court order that finds an Arkansas food labeling censorship law unconstitutional and permanently blocks enforcement of the law against tofukery. Tofukery is the name of it. Tofu turkey, got it, for its use of terms like sausage and burger when accompanied by terms like vegan and plant-based, according to court documents filed in the case. I know this one is a little confusing. Listen closely. Judge Christine G. Baker of the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Arkansas found that the challenged provisions of the Arkansas law unconstitutionally limited Tofukeri's commercial free speech rights. Judge Baker wrote in the order, the state appears to believe that the simple use of the word burger, ham, or sausage leaves the typical consumer confused, but such a position requires the assumption that a reasonable consumer will disregard all other words found on the label. The state has not come forward with any evidence of broad marketplace confusion around plant-based meat alternatives to bolster its claim. The Arkansas law... It's uh, similar to meat labeling censorship laws passed in Mississippi, Louisiana, South Dakota, a number of other states. A number of those laws face similar legal challenges. Earlier this year, the U.S. District Court for the Middle District of Louisiana halted the enforcement of the label. Now, I know that there's a lot there, and this is what gets a burr under my saddle, is we should be using terms like alternative meat. Correct. Alternative meat substitute. Mm -hmm. You should not be able to. I I thoroughly disagree with what's happening here. You should not be able, as we all do, be able to use words like burger, as they said, sausage, ham, ham, because those are ham. That's an actual cut. Exactly. It implies something. So on something that is an alternative meat substitute, I think it should be called in alternate a plant based alternative meat substitute. And the reason that they don't want to call this is. How sexy is it to say a plant-based alternative meat substitute? Oh, that's a mouthful. There's no marketing in that whatsoever, which was the whole reason here a couple weeks ago when we had Kevin Escobar from the United States Cattlemen's Association and Don Schiefelbein with the National Cattlemen's Association when they came together agreeing on the fact that we need to battle fake meat to battle things like this on a national level, because obviously we're trying to fight it on the state side mm-hmm. and, and getting opposition and not getting what we need. But that's where two organizations are coming together and saying, yes, united, we need to make sure that we have our marching orders in hand so those people on a federal level know exactly what the verbiage should be. And it is the same message coming from every cattle organization every livestock association or an organization that everybody is saying the same thing. Boy, howdy, am I on a, I'm on a soapbox today, and it isn't too often that Tigger gets a burr under his saddle, but by it golly. It isn't, it isn't, but I like it. I like it. I think we this all is, need to be very excited about these different topics because they hit and kind home of get fired for up all of us. Because this is becoming more and more and more. I get it that alternative, I'm going to say plant-based alternative meat substitutes, that's what it should be called, that 
like Beyond Meats and, and some of the other ones that we've reported on their price of stocks of how they've gone down and how mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a lot uh, how most people don't like them and they you know that's wonderful in our opinion but the battle is only going to continue so I do think that we all need to get on the same page and get amped up about this because what's happening on a state level I guarantee somebody with a big old checkbook is trying to make this happen mm-hmm. on a national level I tell you what maybe I should run. <laughs> And that is a look at news that is affecting all of us out there in cow country. Coming up, we answer your questions. You wanted more specifics on weed and weed control. You wanted more specifics on cow herd health. We got them all covered for you. A lot more of the Ranch It Up radio show is coming up right after these important messages from our partners that we are so glad to be partnered with. So stick around. We'll be right back. Watch RFD-TV anytime, anywhere on all your connected devices with RFD-TV now. Simply go to watchrfdtv.com and sign up for just $9.99 a month or save more and pay just $89.99 for the year. You can begin streaming RFD-TV live right away and have access to your favorite shows 24-7 on demand. Go to watchrfdtv.com, sign up, and start streaming today. Vitelli is a precision livestock company that has set out to solve what we call the Triple Challenge. And the Triple Challenge is really the combination of the need for more protein, coupled with doing it in a more sustainable production practice, doing it in a way that producers can make money. We're not going to make this one fancy. No clever puns or playing words or sound effects. This one is just pure facts. It's close to weaning time if you haven't already, so did the genetics you used work like you thought they would? Make the decision today with the continental breed of choice. Make crossbreeding easy. Performance, profitability, productivity, Gelvy and Balancer. Now you have the options. Smart, reliable, profitable. The continental breed of choice. How to get healthier calves and more dollars in your pocket using Pharmatan. Coxidia control and then excellent with that transition to solid feed and seeing their weights really hold up as they put cattle through their weaning ration. Imogeneingredients.com, home of Pharmatan. Welcome back, everyone. You've got it tuned to the Ranch It Up radio show. So glad to be riding along with you. Y'all have been very good about asking us questions, and we appreciate that, inquiring more information. So Kyle from Wyoming sends us this one, sends this question in, and wants to hear more from Dr. Kevin Sedevig, the NDSU Extension Rangeland and Management Specialist. We had Kevin on the program last week talking about fall versus spring weed control, focusing in and keying in on noxious weeds specifically. Jumping back into this, Kevin, thanks for for jumping in with us one more time. Kyle wants to know about leafy spurge beetles or biologicals. Your thoughts about them is the first question. Second question is about whose responsibility is it to take care of noxious weeds? In this example, the landowner or the land user, a.k.a. the renter. Good question. And then the third is in regards to a cow's ability to adapt when grasses may not be the most nutritious or essentially using the cow as a machine to graze unwanted forages in hopes of more desirable grasses growing in their stead. I know there's kind of a lot there, so lots to roll with. Kevin, I'm turning it over to you. The biologics are a really good resource 
that we forget about sometimes, especially with leafy spurs. It's probably the best one, best model we have where the biological insects are, are a good tool to use to, re- to at least reduce their movement. You know, I'm going to spin on that and say we've done that a lot, the biologicals. And I'm going to say, or I'm going to echo and say, absolutely, they do work. But be patient because right. the, the year will come, not the day, but the year will come Well, all of a sudden, by golly, I think those little buggers are making a difference because you, you can't expect from this year to next that they're going to eradicate every possible thing and it's going to be, you know, perfect like a, like a golf course. Right. But I'm going to say that on, on Spurge, those biologicals have worked outstanding, but you need to be patient and you need to every year get more, get more and learn how you collect them and you move them to different areas. So there is some management with it, but I'm going to be one that's going to test and say, yes, they do just be patient with using the biologicals, excuse me, on the Spurge. You bet. So a question Whose responsibility is it to manage weeds, especially those noxious weeds? If I'm renting a pasture, is it my responsibility, Kevin, as the land user to go and manage those weeds, or is it the responsibility of the landowner, or does it come down to the agreement and the contract that you all signed? <laughs> you hit it at the end there. Okay. By, by law, though, the landowner is responsible for controlling the noxious weeds on his or her land. The tenant, um, if you have a tenant, the tenant and the landowner should have a contract that states who will be responsible, just in case your landowner you know, doesn't live in, in the area, doesn't live in the same state, which means your landowner should probably, the land manager will probably be doing that. Then I'd put that in the contract so that it's well spoken out. That way, if something happens and you, you have to go to court and the, land, and the landowner will be the one that will be paying the fine, unless there's a contract in place that stipulates the land, the tenant is responsible. Cows will adapt to the type of nutrients that are available in front of them, won't they? And then we do know that if we need to supplement with this particular mineral or we need to supplement with that, correct? Yep, absolutely. And, and the one thing, you know, like like I'm sitting here now, but I got brown grass up to my waist. Well, it's not very high quality, but there's ways you can supplement that rumen so it'll actually digest that old feed and make it much more efficient in their digestive. And they'll do well on this. It's a matter of Knowing what the limitations are, and then what do you give them so that that rumen functions properly? That's all. You're just basically managing the rumen of a cow, and they can eat a lot of poor quality feeds as long as there's nitrogen in that rumen to make that function. You know, we, that's a whole other story. Hey, Kevin Sedovic, thank you so much for last minute jumping on the program here, and the questions they just keep on coming in and spinning again off of last episode. Paul Mitchell with Imogene Ingredients. You can't mistake Paul. And we were talking about feeding Pharmatan to weaned calves, the benefit of getting and keeping those freshly weaned calves healthy. And I mentioned that we first introduced Pharmatan a few years ago, and it was to help reduce coccidiosis and scours in newborn calves, okay? And then we last week we spun off and we talked about using it in a weaned or upcoming upcoming excuse me weaned calf diet now to do so to get the benefits of pharmatan to be able to help reduce coccidiosis and scours in those newborn calves we need to get pharmatan the the tannin into the cow's diet about 90 days pre-calving now kevin from oklahoma asked the question and wants paul to elaborate just a little bit more on feeding pharmatan 
to those pregnant cows. The cow side, now you're kind of getting back towards the the fundamental program a guy has on a cow-calf operation. With the pharmatan tannic acid, what we're doing there is we're helping that cow um, reduce some of the pathogen load of clostridia, of coccidiosis, of some of these challenges on her, and it frees up her immune system over time to perform better. And we see this, for example, when we do dairy cow studies, we see the somatic cell come down quite dramatic um, after about a 30-day period of being on Pharmatan. And so University of Minnesota just did a, a very large trial on that. And so we saw excellent reduction in somatic cell, which means that there's less dead white blood cells in the blood, which means there's less infection that the cow is actively fighting, which would create white blood cells. So there's there's a link in how we are improving that immune system over time. And so now once that immune system is doing well, it's also a high antioxidant. So it's going to help that cow, again, thrive as she is going through her gestation cycle. You're helping the antibodies to increase in her system. And as we see in the colostrum studies we've done, both an increase in colostrum at calving and an increase, about a 15% increase in antibodies in the colostrum when they calf. So now you've got a calf on the ground, you've got good colostrum hopefully into that calf and you're giving it every chance to get going and also getting its own mother's antibodies into its system. Also, if we're reducing the infectiousness of the herd's uh, manure with coxy, with E. coli, with clostridia, um, then you're giving it a cleaner environment which it's operating. And so if not being too infectious, then you've given that calf every chance of getting through those first two to three weeks where they're most vulnerable to accepting in a lot of pathogens and getting sick. Paul, thanks so much for coming back on the show as well. Now, in the next few weeks, we will have more on the strategies of feeding Pharmatan to the cow herd. We're going to go a whole lot more in depth on that subject coming up, as I said, in the next couple of weeks or so here on the Ranch It Up radio show. Hey, it's Mark Van Zee with LivestockMarket.com and AuctionTime.com. Guys, if you're needing to get some hay bought before winter, our online auction coming up on Wednesday, November 2nd is the place to get it bought. We're still adding lots to this sale, but right now we have 53 separate lots on this sale and over 6,500 bales on it. Now, every one of these lots is a com- it's like a full commercial semi-truck load of hay, okay? Uh, there's everything under the sun on this, 300 large square bales, 775 large round bales, 5,000 small square bales, and they're still adding hay to it. That's everything from alfalfa, like straight alfalfa, to various grasses, and there's some straw in there, too. Hay from 11 different states. So you're bound to find something close to you. All these sellers can either truck it to you, or they, if you want to truck it yourself, they can load you out. This is a no-reserve auction. All the hay will sell. Bidding opens at just a dollar a bale on the small squares, $5 a bale on the large rounds, 10 bucks a bale on the large squares. I'll come to you next week with a full sale bill for it. But get on there now and check it out. Bidding's going to open this Thursday, October 27th, and then all the hay will sell on Wednesday, November 2nd. That's on LivestockMarket.com and AuctionTime.com. Thanks, guys. Mark Vanzi with LivestockMarket.com. We appreciate it. Stick around, crew. We've got more of the Ranch It Up radio show coming back, including the numbers, right after this. 
Neogen, the partner you need. Some of our best products and improvements come from producers. And if they've got an idea on maybe how we can help, we'd like to hear what they have to say. Contact us directly. Go to Neogen.com. We're more than happy to help. Neogen, the partner you now have. Hey, it's Mark Banzi with LivestockMarket.com, EquineMarket.com, and AuctionTime.com. Give us a call, 844-775-4762, or look us up online at LivestockMarket.com. Thanks, guys. We are a Westway Feed family of nearly 300 people working together to deliver over 2 million tons of product to our customers annually. We are Westway, uh, together as a team. We're working together to do great things to feed the people of this country. At Westway, yes, it's about our feed, but it starts with passion. The Tri-State Livestock News, what ranchers read. Stop by your local sale barn or livestock center and grab the latest issue of the Tri-State Livestock News. From the latest cattle market reports to various news stories within the ag industry, the Tri-State Livestock News covers it all. You can also check us out at tsln.com. And for those of you that might be interested in subscriptions or advertising, please give me a call, Tracy Hawk, at 406-951-3211. The Tri-State Livestock News, what ranchers read. Welcome back, everyone. Thanks for keeping it tuned right here to the Ranch It Up radio show. Last week, Kirk had the week, well, I shouldn't say you had the week off. Last week, you had the week off from hanging out with us, and you were shipping calves at your place. So uh, so how did that go, Kirk? It went, went very well. I was very happy with it. It's kind of an ironic story. We thought we had everything, moved the cows to the shipping pasture, so to speak, counted them up and we were 34 short with like three hours to daylight. And I was like, Oh no, not another disaster. And then the stars aligned and I saw two through the binoculars and on the way to find those, you know, those two turned into 12 and saw nine more and nine more and eight more. And, you know, in that three hour rush the day before shipping, we came down to two shores. So small miracle in a way oh yeah especially so, out in our country so you got them just about all gathered in that's a, that's a, in our country that's a hundred percent win did you go ahead and did you ship calves off did they leave the place or were you just bringing them close to home and doing your pre-weaning yep they did they left the place the steers didn't go too far to a, a pretty big feedlot that buys quite a few local calves in central montana and then i believe the heifers went to iowa so now that you've got that taken care of, it's back to business as usual. Maybe not as usual, but back to business anyway. So let's wrap up numbers last week. What did they look like? What's going on? What's happening in the markets? All right. So as of Friday, October 14th, November feeders. And you will notice that I moved to November and we're not discussing October anymore. Mm-hmm. November feeders closed 174.97 and a half. That's down 42 and a half on the week with the CME feeder index at 174.11, down $1.58 on the week. That leaves the basis, or again, the difference between the, the futures and cash at a negative 28 and a half cent versus October futures. So just to note that basis is versus October and the prices I quoted just a second ago were November. December live cattle closed 147.80, down 10 cents on the week, with cash trading 145 in the south and 145 to 150 in the north, leaving the five area weighted average at 146.77, up 80 cents on the the week. 
our basis is a negative 38 cents, so very close together between futures and cash. The weekly slaughter came in at 660,000 head. That's 4,000 less than last week on kind of a slowly declining week-over-week slaughter level. But the yearly is 17,000 more than that week last year. Choice boxes printed 246.98, down 57 cents on the week. To wrap it up, December corn closed the week at six dollars and ninety and three quarter cents. That's up seven and three quarter cents on the week. Corn continues to trade in an upward sloping channel, with the top side being seven dollar resistance and the bottom side being the bottom of the channel. This week should have a breakout of one of those levels as as the market is just running out of room. When you say running out of room, what do you mean by that, Kirk? Think of a triangle, right? Uh, Upward sloping triangle. And we're coming to the point of that triangle with $7 on the top side and the the bottom of the triangle coming to the pinch point or the point of the triangle. So just simply that, that pattern is running out of room and we'll have to either break down through that pattern or up through the $7 resistance in corn. I tip my hat to you from one legend to another. Before we go, we have a big tip of the hat to all of you listeners and engagers out there. When we're talking engagement, we're talking about all of you that are asking those really hard questions. Just so you know, we do appreciate it, and we hope that we are getting you pointed in the right direction. You know, and it's Tigger? not easy to ask questions. It I, we isn't. get it. We get it. Absolutely. But the fact that you reach out and ask us week after week means the world to us, and we're glad we can be there helping you out. And that's going to wrap it up for today. A big thanks from our crew to yours again, Dr. Kevin Sedevig with NDSU Extension, Paul Mitchell with Pharmatan and Imogene Ingredients, Mark Van Zee with LivestockMarket.com, Kirk Donsbach, Stonex Financial Incorporated, and the boss lady, she's sitting right over there. A big thank you to our partners, Vitelli, Pharmatan and Imogene Ingredients, the American Galvey Association, the Tri-State Livestock News, the Farmer and Rancher Exchange, and the Fence Post, Abrahamson Rodeo Company, Westway Feed Products, Neogen, Allied Genetic Resources, LivestockMarket.com, EquineMarket.com, AuctionTime.com, RFD-TV, The Cowboy Channel, and Wrangler. And crew, so glad y'all came with us one more time as we ranch it up. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook at ranch it up show our email is ranch it up show at gmail.com you can call and text us 24 7 at 707 ranch 20 spread the good word and join us again next week where it's always tigger approved stay ranchy and ranch it up <laughs>